Hello and welcome back to the Quacked Out Podcast. This is episode 8, 9, something like that. I'm Charlie Folkstead, joined as always by Reed Tingley and producer Paul Kress. Big win for the Ducks over the weekend over Washington State on the road. Um, go check out our post-game reactions from that if you haven't already. Producer Paul is back from his uh, one-episode suspension after the Tracktown Pizza incident, um, <laughs> which we are still not forgiving him for, but, you know, you've been warned. Um, I mean, you knew what you were getting. You, you, you knew where I stood, and, you know, uh, I'm sorry that that has to be such a... Uh, such a wedge between us, but it's the correct take, and I won't apologize for it. Okay. All right. Uh, let's... You're on. You're on thin ice, buddy. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I consider yourself fortunate. Thin ice. I think that's what they call a trackdown delivery. Okay. It's cold. Actually, oh, it's called. Okay. Cold Actually, it's called rock solid. I mean, do you <laughs> want to eat a rock? No. No. I mean, the delivery is rock solid. Like you get your pizza on top. Okay, let's yeah, get right, let's get right, out of here. Right. <laughs> we could be here all night discussing Tracktown Pizza, which wouldn't be a bad thing. But um, yeah, that's an off season podcast. Oh, it'd be a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. <laughs> which hey, I think we always have to preface every episode with the idea that hey, we still could be in the off season. Like we're we're kind of fortunate that we even get made it this far. Um, it's hard to say that given what's happening around the country, but. We're constantly reminded by it, um, especially with these roster updates that we get every week with who's in and out, although I think it's safe to say we got some good news this week. Um, but before we get to that, let's let's get to some takeaways, um, some things we might have missed from the Wazoo game or just a general uh, overview of what's going on. A um, lot to be happy about, I, I think. In my rewatch, I, I really... I felt a lot better than I did the first time. Similar to the Stanford game, but even more so. Like this, this team was really good offensively after the turnovers, of course. Yeah, I I felt the same way. I think that it's so easy to get really worried about a game in the moment when those turnovers hit like they did, and you kind of lose perspective of the fact that those are singular plays that have this huge kind of outsized effect but they're not indicative of really how the team is playing as a whole. And I think with the perspective from, you know, the last um, few days and getting a rewatch in and everything, I was just really impressed with how the team responded and the fact that we pulled away one by two scores and covered still. I mean, it was um, Josh Pate was saying this, a guy, a guy we mentioned a lot on Love here. Josh Pate, uh, number one Josh Pate fans. Yeah, so his his theory on turnovers is that um, they're like completely random, basically, that there's no way to predict them. Even though they take an impressive effort on an individual play, they're not like baked into a program in a way that they can like be sustained throughout a season or that um, they should like really factor into your predictions for a team. Mm -hmm. So... He also says that based on like the model he uses for a show, he values a turnover at four and a half points mm -hmm. per game. So he his idea is that if we're ten and a half point favorites over Wazoo and we turn the ball over three times and don't force any, then we should lose the game outright by like a field goal. Mm -hmm. um, so when you factor when you consider that, and then we win by fourteen points, it's it's really impressive what we did. 
um, to overcome those turnovers. On the other hand, I mean, it's it's something that we got to clean up because we can't keep putting ourselves in that position. Yeah, I mean, so far by now, Ducks are have conceded five turnovers, one zero back from the defense. Um, yeah, which one- is not Im- uh, impressive on either side of the ball. Again, it's kind of random. You can't necessarily like predict them or say that the defense should have more or less, um, but it's still not you know ideal by any stretch of the imagination one question i have for you uh that i was kind of thinking about in these past few days is and this will go into a broader point i kind of want to make but um do you think that last year's team wins this game given that we go down wow given that we give up three turnovers on the road in pullman hmm this is considered like this team comes back to win or last year's team uh comes back after those turnovers or because i think last year's team doesn't really put ourselves in that position necessarily i think they wait till the fourth quarter to do it yeah i mean i think well i'm just saying you know if you accept uh you know the premise that turnovers are are kind of luck based more or less Mm -hmm. you know and, and just a thing that happens through the course of games and accept that you know we lose those three turnovers early in the or in the first half. Mm-hmm. Um, we're on the road in Pullman, and we have last year's group, and we have also uh, you know still like Arroyo as our offensive coordinator. Staff is the oh, same no, as last no, no. year. No, no. <laughs> I mean, I'm not as defiant of a no, but I still think no. Um, and I think that that really says something. Um, that's a really good analogy, actually. Because this year, even with, you know, you can throw every exception that I, I, we could probably write a book of exceptions at this point as to why last year's team should be better than this year's. But in terms of, I think it's easily fair to say Moorhead has been a better coordinator than, uh, than Arroyo so far. So far, again, two games, small sample size, but like that, you're right. I mean, that is a very impressive feat that I don't think last year's team would be able to do or to overcome yeah that that's what i think too because i mean i the only game i got to go to in person last year uh given that i live across the country during football season is (laughs) is was the wazoo game at home and that game was was i mean the thinnest of margins oregon escaped that game by and it wasn't really a come from behind necessarily it was like we were just playing them even throughout a few things broke our way, a few things broke their way, but it wasn't like there was really even a reason why it should have been that close other than just that the teams, you know, were playing each other pretty even. We didn't like have this huge turnover margin, at least not that I really remember. I mean, um, what I remember, but that's team, why I honestly feel yeah. like we'll go ahead. I mean, what I remember from that game is just like feeling I, I mean, I'm sure I could check the, you know, tape and see that it was a little more uh, complicated than this, but it just felt like another defensive meltdown at home. I mean, I felt yeah. pretty much the exact same as I did with the Stanford game from two years prior, um, standing in the exact exact same spot. I mean, I, very similar to how I felt at, at the Auburn game last year. It was just like, oh, wow, we're doing it again. Like, it's happening again. Um and then yeah. instead they cooked it, and we got um, we caught a break at the end. 
I, I mean, yeah. it's not really a break, like big return and then Johnson's big catch, but like we earned it. But still, I mean, I just felt relieved more than anything after that game. And after this, I feel more like dominant and secure in this yeah. team. Yeah, I really think that these first two games of this year, and, and obviously it's early, but I think that they actually have a lot more to say about the like state of this program than people really immediately realize. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, if you look at like, you know, this is year three of the Mario Cristobal era, which is like the defining kind of circle the calendar type of thing when mm-hmm. when coaches really like put their stamp on the program they get their guys in the door right and so i mean through the last few years there have been some question marks in in year one i because i think it's easy i fans love cristobal so much and we've had confidence in him and it's kind of easy to think like oh it was always predestined to get to this point this was what we were building but it wasn't really that clear at times because you look at like Mara's first year in 2018 we had the big win over Washington but then we had like two huge red flags Mm -hmm. when we got blown out by Wazoo on the road you know tried to come back late and then the next week we went to Arizona and got Mm -hmm. beat by like 30 and then in the Red Box Bowl that year we won seven to six (laughs) which was like what you know what are we doing and I, then would, last... I would also call the Stanford game a red flag. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. Um, and then, and and we were kind of like building something and we were floating around ranks and ranked play and people were happy with that. And then last year, I think a lot of things, you know, you saw that culture keep being established under Cristobal. And I mean, it was a big deal to compete in that Auburn game the way we did, even though we let it go. I mean, that was that mm-hmm. was scary when we let it go, but it was it was positive that we could compete. Yeah, and I mean, and then, people had to see because, of course, it was the marquee game. People saw how good we could be, and that was right. like even though we lost, that's still a big like. I mean, we don't need to get into it right now, but there's reasons as to why that's that's a big deal. Right. Yeah, and then we ran through the the Pac-12 pretty well last year. Obviously, there's the ASU game and everything. But that was a big move forward. But it was also, you know, kind of a weak year in the conference. There wasn't like another premier team that was challenging us. Mm-hmm. So I think especially, you know, one thing that, well, two things stand out to me this year is that in the offseason after Arroyo left, you know, which I which was a good thing I think we're definitely seeing, there was had to be some concern about who is Cristobal going to pick for this offensive coordinator slot. Because if Cristobal has baked into his like ideology as a coach the same type of you know conservative tendencies on offense that like a Kirby Smart does at Georgia, that mm-hmm. could have crippled our whole program. And so I think that the Moorhead hire and the success he's had through two games is huge for not only what the Ducks will look like under Moorhead, but for the type of flexibility and kind of... Um, you know, pushing the edge that Chris Ball is going to be willing to do on offense going forward once, you know, Moorhead probably inevitably leaves for another job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, definitely. Yeah. And then I think the other thing that is really standing out to me is there was that big recruiting class from 2019 when yes, we got Thibodeau, Mikhail Wright, Mace Funa, Pittman, these big names, top 100 guys, right? And so... 
in 2019, they kind of all flashed a little bit and we thought, you know, that was encouraging because it was one thing to land them and it was kind of like, oh my God, we got a top 10 class, but are we going to be, you know, like old Miss when they landed like Robert Kim Dichier <laughs> and then they just like sputtered out? Or are we going to like actually develop these guys into, you know, the type of all-conference talents that they can be? And, and all those guys this year especially are really, you know, stepping into their own. And it's like they're actually major players on the team. And we've, sh- we've now like shown that Chris Wall can identify talent, recruit it to Eugene, and then develop it once it's here. And so those like building blocks make me feel all of a sudden like really secure about the direction this program's going in. And I think those things are reflected, like we're seeing them reflected every day in in what we get from this program. Like there's no stupid mistakes. There's no like, I mean, there's there's a lot less disciplinary things um, yeah. than what we saw certainly under, under Chip Kelly, for instance. Um, yeah, I mean, even like look at, I mean, stuff like those things happen even at like high level programs. I mean, like we don't have to get into it, but there's a huge bombshell report about like the LSU program mm-hmm. that just came out um, and like just kind of cutting these corners that like morally that Ed O's doing down there. And it there's no signs of that in the Oregon program. And I think that those things will catch up to you eventually. So the fact that we're doing it the right way, I think speaks well to to this being something that's built to last. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And yeah, exactly. It's it's a mindset from top down and it applies to everybody. And I think it applied, I mean, a lot of people don't like talking about culture and this kind of stuff because they don't, I mean, it's just kind of pie in the sky stuff to them. But it, I mean, this is what we saw on the field last weekend. Like, right this this stuff is important so um yeah glad you mentioned that and i think that it's i mean hey we're the number 11 team in the country with a 2-0 record like what (laughs) it's working you know right totally i mean another this is just more of a fun piece of like culture and doing things the right way but it's it speaks to the fact that like every part of a program i think gives you a chance to like elevate where your program is. Mm-hmm. So look at like, you know, maybe not everyone listening to this knows it, but Oregon is probably, it sounds like going to release new uniforms for the game against mm-hmm. UCLA that are like leveraging our connection with the Polynesian culture. So they're like special Ohana edition uniforms with like lime green and black. And it so happens that like the top two players on Oregon's recruiting board right now, are JTT and uh, Siaki Ika, who are both Polynesian D linemen. Mm-hmm. So it's like all those things feed together. And if you run a program at a really high level and you have all those things flowing in the right direction, that's when like really good results happen. Yep. I can't wait to see those. Uh, I, I know. Mean, I saw some, we've seen some concepts for it. We talked about this, but they're, I'm really excited. I think a lot of people will be very surprised. Um, again, haven't haven't seen them, so I'm not like withholding any information here. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm really excited for those. Yeah, um, me too. You got any more you want to say about the uh, Wazoo game, or should we move on to some national stuff real quick? Yeah, we should probably touch on 
the kind of health situation with both the guys coming back and then uh, Flo. Okay, yeah. So obviously, I mean, if you're listening to this, you know by now Justin Flo is out um, for the season with a torn meniscus. We don't know details on how it happened, but um, the news was first broken by his old high school coach, I believe, and then um, later confirmed. So he is done for the season, probably going to end up using a red shirt. Um, obviously, he only played one game, so there's no like, no big deal eligibility-wise. And, and he's probably not a player that's sticking at Oregon for five years anyways. It, it's exactly what I was going <laughs> to say. Like, you don't, I mean, at this point, this you look at him and that's a guy that wants to get to the NFL as soon as possible. Although, of course, has to get on the field first. Um, right. So it's un- really unfortunate to see that, but um, we'll see what he can do next year, I guess. Um, yeah. yeah, and it's it's okay at least that, uh, you know, it's a shortened season if, if this, like, has to happen. I think that it's a shortened season. It's his freshman year. We have kind of Isaac Slade in his spot at the linebacker position, so it's not like he was going to get, you know, be a, be a full-time starter or anything. Uh, yeah. But it's still something that you – definitely hate to see yeah and i mean mj cunningham has experience behind quote behind him as well at that will spot um so it's not like the ducks are going to be you know significantly impacted by this but it was more of uh i mean flow this season has kind of been looked at um by analysts and guys like us it's like a high upside guy where we would love for him to see the field um but it's not the end of the world if he doesn't Obviously, though, it is the end of his world for this season, at least. Um, I mean, yeah. I know I would be devastated. I'm sure he is, yeah. too. So, um, Yeah, definitely. I think it's also kind of um, the blow for the programs lessened a little bit by the fact that I think a lot of people had this idea going into the season that we really just needed one of our freshman linebackers to step up and be able to start alongside Isaac Slade. Mm-hmm. And Noah Stools looks so good, obviously. Um that, that, that that's at least kind of yeah lessens the blow a little bit. And I'm glad you mentioned Sewell. Um, he and Shuck and uh, – why am I forgetting? TJ Bass were um, all nominated for Pac-12 Players of the Week in their respective areas, offense, mm-hmm. defense, and offensive line. Bass uh, ended up um, winning the honor, actually. So he joins Ryan Walk um, as being the second – Oregon player and again second Pac-12 player uh, being nominated for this winning this award sorry in consecutive weeks so two Oregon offensive linemen winning Pac-12 offensive linemen of the week not a bad way to break in a new um, position group from our yeah definitely definitely and Alex Mirabal but um, yeah and then the the other things were just we get some more tight ends back this week um, I think yep uh, Camp Moore practice today I think McCormick might be back. Yeah, Crystal Ball um, said he expects him to be back this weekend. So And then Popo on the D-line behind Jordan should be a big addition. Um, should give Jordan some rest, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe he'll he'll be a little um, you know, more effective with, with rest and Popo's right there pushing him. Uh, yeah. And then the bad news is Micah Pittman is the main guy um, who looks like he'll be out this week. Same with Steve Stevens. I think something COVID related, but that's not confirmed, but that's the general theory. Yeah. That's, um, that's pretty much assumed at this point. I mean, they're never yeah. going to release if it is, but it, it is. Right. Yeah. So 
we'll, we'll have to overcome that, but we'll we'll probably touch on those things a little more in our game preview at the end of the episode. Yeah, we can talk about how those incorporate into the game a little later. Um, all right, so let's get to some national stuff. Uh, mind you, the first playoff official college football playoff committee rankings come out next week, um, next Tuesday, the 24th. So for now, we're still working with whatever you call this AP poll. Um, I don't even know if you can like call it that this year. It's so messed up. But <laughs> um, Bama, Notre Dame, Ohio State at the top. Obviously, Clemson four. Those seem to. I mean, barring like any unforeseen stuff. I mean, these teams all had pretty normal weeks. Um, of course, Notre Dame getting their big win over Boston College. Um, very comfortably, so they're still number two. Um, then you kind of have the next tier of team teams like knocking on the door: um, A and M, Florida, Cincinnati, BYU, Indiana, Indiana, Wisconsin, and rounds out the top ten. And then Oregon, Miami, Georgia. Um, I would yeah. say, well, honestly, not even Georgia. <laughs> unfortunately, I would say those top twelve are the teams that like have legit shots at this point. And I wouldn't even say like BYU and Cincinnati really have a shot, but I mean, we can get into that if you want. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I actually thought that, um, just go back to your top, top four talk. Notre Dame kind of had a bit, kind of a similar ish game, uh, to Oregon, where they went, they went down early. Actually, mm-hmm. um, they didn't look sharp, but they ended up, you know, winning in, like you said, a convincing fashion. And I thought that I had my doubts about Notre Dame before the Clemson game, um, but they're for real. Yeah, again, yeah. it was it was more of a uh, turnovers made it scary early type thing, um, but Boston College couldn't really do much against their defense, and it ended up being fine for the Irish. Definitely. Yeah, it yeah, became it even, pretty obvious they're the better team. Yeah. Yeah. I even looked – I think it, it looked closer than it was because Boston College got, a, like, a last-second touchdown and two-point conversion, I think. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, Notre Dame um, looks legit. They look playoff yeah, they good. Um, yeah, they do. Especially after that, say that. win, obviously. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, the top eight stayed the same this week. Um because a lot of them didn't even play. Well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm going down the list right now, and I'm trying to see like Bama got postponed. I think, um, I think A and M's postponed again this week too. Which really, it, I think I saw that. Yeah, which is interesting to note. I think for this Oregon playoff race, um, because a lot of these COVID things, if it hits an individual program, that program, if it hits them late one week is likely to be out for two game weeks. Mm-hmm. That's and, true. And yeah, you're right. It is postponed. And that hitting A&M is actually, uh, you know, r- really big. For, I mean, you kind of hate to say this stuff with in relation to COVID, but for the Ducks playoff chances, A&M's one of those schools they, they kind of need to get by. And obviously, you know, we don't know how it'll shake out if Oregon will keep being able to play their games. Um, it looks kind of good for this week so far, which is awesome again for a third week for Oregon. Um, but if, if we can catch up to A&M in that game's played race and they have one loss and we're a conference champ, 
you know, just say we're seven and zero, and they finish uh, eight eight and one. I think that starts to look like really like we could get in over them, even if they don't lose another game potentially. Yeah, that'd definitely be favorable. Yeah, and of course you, you hate to say it. Maybe maybe we say this looks worse for A and M's playoff chances than we say <laughs> yeah. it looks good for the Ducks. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, is it though? Because like, I think the kind of assumption that we made when we started sort of tracking these different teams and AM specifically is that they're going to drop one eventually. Um, we just don't know when. Well, I mean, now those chances to drop games are getting slimmer and slimmer. Um, right. And hey, I mean, let's let's look at the rest of their schedule real quick. Like, how many? It's it's LSU, Auburn, and Tennessee. Yeah, like I think so the they, Auburn they game could is lose to Auburn. the biggest yeah. one, but like Tennessee looks terrible right now. LSU also looks terrible right now, um, and I mean Auburn, right. we just never know what we're gonna get from them. So, I I think it's like I think Ole Miss was probably their on paper at least their second best chance to um, drop a game. Yeah, and yeah, it's it's kind of just. I mean, totally crazy things that we're like considering this season, which yeah. like, is it better to have this game wiped off your schedule or for them to play it? And they, you know, have this, you know, yeah. 25% chance or whatever of losing, but then they also could boost their resume if they win, which, you know, they're favored to do. Cause I mean, I don't know. I'm looking forward to playoff rankings next week for a lot of reasons, but mostly to see how they deal with COVID implications. Um, and honestly, I have a feeling they'll deal with it in the same way that the AP poll is right now. Um, yeah, they it's, say it's tended to have a strong correlation anyways, but I think that, I mean, we really have to consider that like this game can't get rescheduled either. This whole miss game. I mean, they're, they're out of slots for that. The Tennessee uh, game has already been rescheduled for December 12th. So unless they start moving uh, these dates back, or I think maybe they could schedule it, um for the weekend of the conference championship potentially um i mean i think that's what they're doing already oh really okay isn't that well, the 12th maybe i'm wrong i haven't checked but um yeah but either way it's it's crazy i think it's fun to speculate about the playoff but a little bit um we'll just have to see how this all shakes out because who knows i mean knock on wood but you know any team obviously including you know, our ducks could be hit and be out for, you know, have two games wiped off the schedule. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like, I think, uh, I mean, same thing with like Ohio state is getting, um, got hit last week. And if they like, you know, if they, I think we're, if we are close with Ohio state, that bodes well for us. Cause everyone wants to make the argument that Ohio state has a legitimate resume to get in. Yeah. You know, so if we're, played you know even games to ohio state or one game less than ohio state then people kind of have to you know include us in a way Mm -hmm. because people you know have it baked in like oh ohio state's a top four team they have to get in the playoff so if they're gonna they're gonna basically i think you know lower that bar of minimum games you have to play for this season to be legitimate whatever to like basically whatever the buckeyes can get in yeah and I think it's also like I'm really curious, not just this week, but the or next week, but the week after, to see 
how um, cancellations affect specific teams. Because, I mean, A&M didn't even play this week. Their game got canceled, and they still stayed at five. Like, yeah. if I mean, this is not going to happen. But hypothetically, if they weren't to play another game, like, when do they start dropping, you know? When does well, Oregon start leaping some of these teams? Yeah, or, like, here's a really, like, weird thing. So, Indiana has a one game or like a has played one more game than Ohio state right now. Mm -hmm. So like if Indiana didn't play that game against, if that game gets canceled this weekend, Mm -hmm. Indiana could like run the table without playing Ohio state as their schedule sits currently. And, and if they did that, they would make the big 10 championship. undefeated. That was my next question is how is this going to affect conference standings? Um, Yeah. Cause I mean, I don't know, like, the intricacies of every conference tiebreakers. Maybe there's some solutions they have for that or a rescheduling they would do to make sure they get that big matchup between Indiana and Ohio State in at some point. But, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, and I mean, like, I think the answer is we just don't know yet. I mean, I feel like we would, I mean, we would know by now if if a conference came out with like a substantial plan as to how they're going to count yeah. stuff. I mean, any major league soccer fans out there know that MLS moved to points per game this season, um, just to kind of balance everything out. There's a lot of reasons why that doesn't really work for football. Um, right. <laughs> mostly being that, you know, you play like six games this year, but, um, yeah, and, and it's so uneven schedule and everything. Yeah. So I'm really curious as to, as to how that might work. Yeah. Um, I think it's, I think it's, um, for me, it just kind of underlines the fact that this season is is very unpredictable, and I think that a lot of those conferences, even that don't have a plan, are feel very flexible about you know potential things they might try to work in. I mean, mm-hmm. I heard some people say like, you know, if this really COVID spike in the South gets bad, I mean, the SEC could basically just like dust off their hands, cancel the season, and say, you know. Bama and Florida rest up and get to Atlanta for the conference championship. We've kind of done all we need to do. I think that might happen if uh, Larry Scott was running the conference, but <laughs> I I have a feeling that some folks down south wouldn't be too happy about that. Yeah. Um, and outside the south, so I can include myself in that. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, personally, I think as long as the teams are healthy, as long as everybody's okay, then, then why not play? Um but I think maybe the conversation shifts to maybe we shouldn't have fans in the stands or something like that. Yeah. Um, which, by the way, I think one of the uh, maybe even bigger than their win over Boston College this week for Notre Dame was uh, the fact that they didn't have too many like COVID troubles. Um, after, yeah, it was really, after the it was really surprising. In the field, yeah, myself included. I like beyond just the kind of meme of the whole thing i really thought that that would be an issue for them but yeah they seem fine yeah so. i can't confirm i was also in that boat i was on twitter making jokes i thought you were gonna yeah. say you were in the crowd <laughs> no <laughs> no, no i was not <laughs> yeah dedication terms, to the program give those yeah. uh fighting irish some covid <laughs> in terms of like actual matchups this weekend though I mean, for me, it's like there's ju- there's just a lot of big favorites mm-hmm. um, who are you know good teams who are big favorites. So like Clemson, Florida, each have thirty point spreads. 
Ohio State, Indiana is like a big game in terms of, you know, little numbers, three versus nine next to their name. Mm-hmm. But Ohio State's favored to win that by three touchdowns. And I don't think that's like that ridiculous of a no, line. Honestly, I, I, I had them covering that when I made my picks yeah. this week. Um, um, love, and, love Indiana and I love the idea, but come on. Great, great, great season for them, but they're not Ohio State. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, let's see what else. Cal, Oregon State is a, actually a nice midday game. Um, three and a half point spread. I think that honestly might be what Duck fans the, want to watch at that time because... It, who's uh, favored in that? Uh, Cal by three and a half. I yeah. think I might take the Beavs there. I don't know. Cal didn't look good week one based on... Even though it was a, yeah. it was a crazy... Um, we also... We didn't even... We, I guess we haven't talked to people since uh, the UW game too. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Last last we talked about it, I was reacting to whatever kind of punt happened. Yeah. If you haven't looked up the Washington punt yet, go do it right now. Go to YouTube and look up Washington punt, and yeah. it'll be the first thing that shows up. It was uh, incredible. Also, I lied. Um, you're gonna want to watch uh, Wisconsin at Northwestern at that twelve thirty slot. Yeah, that that should be good. Um, I think that's a game we. Ducks fans got to be pulling for Northwestern, I guess. But I'm not too worried about the Big Ten getting two teams in. I, I, I just think both, Ohio's... They're both undefeated teams. Yeah. I believe. As of yeah, right but, now, yeah. I mean, yeah, Wisconsin's but, played, what, like two, two games, games? And Northwestern's yeah. played three, so... Four. 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 Yeah. Yeah, but, I yeah. mean... Wisconsin did look really good in their first week. And Graham Mertz looked good. Um, I don't know. Like, honestly, I don't know quite what to make of the big, uh, the big 10, but if Northwestern does beat Wisconsin, I, I mean, they're going to get some eyeballs for sure. Yeah. I just think they don't have enough games to get two teams in. And I think Ohio state's too much better than the rest of the, the team. Although I will say the FPI has, Wisconsin. FBI mentioned number one. This, uh, this yeah, for those keeping track down. at home. Yeah. <laughs> Mark it off your bingo board. <laughs> um, the, the FBI has Wisconsin at a 54.6% chance to make the playoff. Really? They have their FBI rating is 0.1 behind Ohio State. Really? For context, it's almost nine above Notre Dame. Hmm. They, for whatever reason, and I, I don't I think know what why, we're, okay, go ahead. they think Wisconsin is, is, is like, they, they think Wisconsin's better than Clemson. They think Wisconsin's like right next to Ohio State and pushing on Alabama. I don't enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really don't. I think, I think that, Wisconsin's numbers right now are pretty similar to Oregon's and yeah. Oregon is the favorite in their conference and we don't have to play Ohio state. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, That's, I, I yeah. think it's, I think it's crazy. Cause I, I, I mean, I kind of think if Wisconsin loses that game to Ohio state by like two scores, they're just like done. I don't yeah. like, I don't think you can lose a game by two scores when you play only seven games and get into the playoff. Yeah, I agree. Um, let's see what else we got. I think it's pretty obvious what the like what most people 
considered the big matchup to be this. Well, I guess Wisconsin Northwestern could be considered the biggest matchup, but the Bedlam game, um, Oklahoma yeah. State traveling to uh, Norman to play Oklahoma. That's this. This is going to tell us a lot um, about both these teams and the Big Twelve overall because Oklahoma State still thinks they have a shot at the playoff after losing to Texas, right? And then narrowly yeah. escaping against Kansas State a week later. Yeah, yeah. An ugly, ugly game. Um, so I, I'm really excited to have this on the second screen um, during the or. Well, actually, I was gonna say that, but I guess we don't know when our. Yeah, game we don't is know yet, when do we're we? playing yet. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of in the camp that I'm. I'm sort of assuming ours is gonna be um, night game. I, I don't. I was gonna say afternoon game. The same time, yeah. Afternoon yeah, game. Yeah. Um, ESPN loves putting us in that prime time slot, and hey, yeah. I ain't complaining. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I I I think that if Oklahoma State can get a huge win here over Oklahoma, and they like, it's not some kind of fluky like thing. I think they can totally launch themselves back into the same conversation as as us yeah unfortunately yeah but i don't i don't know if i really think they will do that you know but no. but we'll see for context yeah. oklahoma's a, a touchdown favorite here at home yeah and i'm i'm picking oklahoma outright and i oh, i don't know yeah. i don't know if i'm picking them against uh, i probably pick them laying a touchdown yeah yeah the other big game uh, really the last one i want to touch is BYU North Alabama. I mean, look at the BYU schedule. No, I'm just kidding. This just gives context. So, like BYU is playing an 0 and 3 FCS team. Okay, that that's not a win. But no, the actual one was uh, was Cincinnati uh, UCF. Uh, Cincinnati's a six point favorite in that, mm-hmm. and it's probably one of their biggest tests left on the schedule. Um, Ducks would jump use would jump Cincinnati if they lose. Um, so, you know, that's a game you probably want to be monitoring. It would be a good good thing for the Ducks. I think we might be able to jump them anyways if we go undefeated and play our games uh, for the playoff eventually. But, you know, it would make it a lot simpler if they just lost to UCF this weekend. Yeah, totally. Um, and one more thing on BYU. I mean, <laughs> I'm just looking at their schedule right now. And dear God. <laughs> it's It's so bad. <laughs> at army when or sorry at navy when navy hadn't like tackled in practice leading up to that (laughs) game 55 to 3 they played troy louisiana tech utsa which is texas san antonio um houston texas state western kentucky and then at boise state um was really their obviously biggest win but also like really their only claim to being in the top 10 in my eyes yes so i checked the fpi on byu's schedule a few days ago so these these aren't perfectly updated but when i checked it um they had played two teams amongst the top 90 in the country jesus they played houston who is 58th and boise state who is 44th <laughs> they beat Boise State handily, and I think they did pretty well against Houston too. So, yeah. I mean, no disrespect to BYU, you know, put them in a New Year's Six game, have them play someone, and and we'll see what happens. But don't tell me that Oregon would not, you know, 
wax all of these teams. Mm-hmm. If that, yeah, no disrespect, uh, but but a little disrespect. Maybe a little bit, di- a little disrespect. Maybe maybe, maybe just a little here. disrespect. Yeah. <laughs> Is it ethical to schedule anyone and everyone during a pandemic? <laughs> right. <laughs> these are the questions that keep me up at night. Um, because Plus hey, all of BYU's I mean, players are 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 like twenty five and twenty six because of their <laughs> doing their missions and they're they're quote unquote missions where they're just actually practicing every day. Interesting scoop. <laughs> I, I would love to learn more about that. Hey, if I was if I was a D one football player on my mission, I would I'd be lifting weights, I'd be pushing around, tackling sleds, and I'd be you know. I'd be getting my ball working too. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> what if you were a midshipman with a week to prepare for a game? Then what would you do? Well, not then tackle. I would probably go out and lose to BYU. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Not not just lose. Not just lose. Lose fifty-five to three <laughs> to BYU. What What if you're a member of of the zero and three North Alabama team <laughs> in the FCS during a pandemic? You have to deal with all this protocol. You're zero and three. It probably looks like an FCS. episode of Blue Mountain State. <laughs> that, yeah. I'm what, guessing... what, what might you do if you were South Carolina and, and you don't have a coach <laughs> and you were Will Muschamp with maybe the saddest decision in the history of sports to kick a field goal down 48 points in the fourth quarter against the Texas A&M Aggies, knowing that you will be fired after the game. <laughs> Start drinking. Oh, man. And start start calling Mario Cristobal's agent, probably. Um, Um, But in all seriousness, I I, I don't see him getting swooped up by the game talks. I'd wear my uh, hat and shirt that say Cox on him and just be happy with (laughs) that. Go Cox. Be happy with that. Go Cox, baby. Content content with our Cox. The only other game I just want to briefly mention before we go Ducks, because I think we already touched on most of the Pac-12 slate. Mm-hmm. Unless there's anything else you want to say. Uh, I think we should run through it real quick, but go ahead. Okay. Yeah, USC, Utah um, is, uh, is yeah, just to go into the Pac-12 side. Um, you know, we get to see USC again. You know, maybe they can play an impressive game in their third <laughs> week. Utah hasn't played yet, so who knows how good they are even. But Yeah, true. Um... <laughs> that's a, I think that's the Pac-12 after dark game, so... Uh, yeah, it is. We'll probably be one of you two. Know, but yeah. Next time we talk to you, maybe that game will be on in the background. USC are three point favorites in that game. Yeah. By the way, on yeah. the road at Rice Eccles, mm, I am destroying Utah here, uh, taking <laughs> Utah every which way. <laughs> wow, USC up down and around all Utah. <laughs> I mean, we don't know what Utah is yet, but. Yeah, U- USC, like... I mean, I, tr- I trust their culture more than USC, at least. But like, I don't know, USC beat them last year, so... There's nothing I could say about the USC-Arizona game that I didn't say about the Arizona State game. Like, yeah. they should have lost, and yeah. they got bailed out by a tipped ball at the end of the game. It's as simple as that. Really, it is. Do you guys think that uh, our Huskies... Our Husky rivals, not our Husky? Huskies, not our Husky. Our rivals, the Huskies. Thank you. Uh, you think there's any way they drop this one to Arizona? Totally. Arizona looked good last week. 
Um, yeah. Again, against USC, so whatever. But um, in their first game, Grant Gunnell, Gunnell was pretty good. Um, and I think the 11.5 point Washington spread is pretty uh, pretty favorable considering they only beat Oregon State by like a touchdown. Wow, yeah, right. that's actually a good line. I, I think it's you hit, yeah. you know, they win by seven, they win by 10, they win by, they lose, you know, a lot of real possibilities that uh, you still get. Yeah, always, always possibilities are in play. I don't know. I think it's one of two things for the Huskies. I think they come out mad about, you know, their performance against Oregon State, or they come out with a lack of confidence and just shit the bed again. <laughs> I vote the uh, second one. Yeah, I, I would love to see the second one. one, yeah. But yeah, I mean, mind you, mind you, Washington fans like some of some of them, some of them are still holding themselves in the same conversations as us at the top, as like the kings of the conference. Right. So, that's the thing. I, I mean, you know, I don't want to like put any you know bad tape out there that's gonna get me in trouble you know oh yeah we do way. come on but you know we do <laughs> but but i mean i'm, I'm not really Electric too worried factory. about washington right now it's like you know they can they can win they can lose you know it, it's sweet either way either we hand them like their third loss of the season they, they're 500 again they can't recruit anyone for another year or it's like they're undefeated and and then we just like beat them by three scores and like crush their little hopes. So, you know, either one of those possibilities sounds fine to me. <laughs> yeah. Same. What do you think about, um, two other things in the, you can just maybe give your picks uh, against the spread if you want for, uh, two games that should teach us a lot about this North race, uh, Cal, Oregon state, and then Washington state, Stanford. Cal, Oregon state is, I mean, I think, I'm I'm surprised Cal isn't favored by more. I haven't watched tape from their game against UCLA, um, but for a team that had such high expectations coming into the season, you have to think that they're gonna show signs of improvement. Um, the, yeah, yeah. And like anything would be a sign of improvement from losing to UCLA. So. Yeah, I mean, I just don't even. I don't know. They what they like learned about the game midweek last week. Got put to Sunday, and then, I mean, they looked horrible. But yeah, I, I have, I have no idea how a Vegas odds maker even like starts to put out a line for this game. Yeah, for real. Um, <laughs> mostly because we're not odds makers, but uh, right. <laughs> also because like Oregon State had a really just all around weird game last week, um, and then again, so did Cal, and it was both their. No, I guess it was Oregon State's second game of the year, but it was Cal's first game of the year. Yeah. Um, and obviously, as we noted, there were a ton of questions surrounding that. I'm really interested to see what the Beavers can do because their Super Bowl is the week after against us. Um, so I I think this will – I'm definitely going to watch this game midweek. Um, maybe it will be my recap game for Cliff. Doing, doing a quick hundred word write up, but um, yeah, I definitely think this is one to watch for Duck fans in the middle of the yeah. day, on a second screen if if not first. Um, depending on how that Northwestern game goes, Cal just again I'm repeating myself, but the the expectations that were placed on them, they were supposed to be like 
the third best team in the conference, basically, coming into this year. And all of a sudden, you're losing to UCLA? Like, what? Yeah, um, your, your boy Garber didn't look too good. My boy, hold on. I was well, simply. <laughs> you said I, I don't know. You've, you said you've had some words yeah, about, about yeah. Garbers on the on the previews. No, I have, but your favorite I mean, player in the conference. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that must be a direct quote. Um, <laughs> damn, we're gonna have to pull the tape on that one. But uh, I think we're gonna learn more from the USC game, um, and honestly, maybe more about the North and the the Wazoo Stanford game, because. Although Wazoo lost last week, they they looked like the second best team in the. I think it's safe to say they're like the second best team in the conference so far, at least yeah. eye test wise. Yeah, yeah. Colorado. I mean, if yeah, it's actually, just eye test. Yeah, might be Colorado. Colorado's been really good. They have uh, uh, the offensive players of the week. First but do you, do you actually believe they're the second best team in the conference? Who who do you think honestly is the this year? I mean, we we like, all know who the best team is the com- in the conference is. Oh yeah, USC, right? <laughs> yeah, I um, mean they just have so much talent. I mean, it's, <laughs> can't deny it's obviously talent. gonna it's obviously gonna come together. It's gonna come together. <laughs> um, I mean, if you look but, at the rankings, they're only nine <laughs> spots behind Oregon. So they're basically right there. Um, which but, wait, are they still number twenty? Is that a real thing? I think so. Did I, I just realize my, that they're still number twenty? My, uh, I, you, you, do you remember me saying that on the podcast? Where I was like, hopefully, no one, no one watches <laughs> yeah. the game, and they just like keep <laughs> USC at twenty because they just think that they are like good and two and zero. I mean, they should not be a top to way to team. way to speak it into existence. But on a second I mean, note, like I want I, whatever no some of watches. these AP voters are saying. <laughs> they like, no, they don't I mean, watch. I mean, I mean, the th- the thing is, you're not supposed to go down in the rankings after a win, right? But I think uh, they should. Miami did, yeah, and they yeah, were in the top no, ten. The, yeah, th- that's yeah. the thing is, there's no rule. Yeah, the, you, it's, you It's all. Like, You're supposed to go wherever the hell you of, want. Yeah, I mean, of course, there's there's no there's not like a, a steadfast rule, but like, it would be weird to you don't you don't see it a lot for for teams going it down. It wouldn't. I mean, no, no. I, I mean, but they like yeah, I think they no, should have lost you, to Arizona. USC is no, not no, a no. top twenty five team. They're not. Oh no, they're not. They're not. They're not. Yeah, they're I've like already said they're terrible. I, like yeah. I've already said, they're, they're terrible. What my point, where I was getting to with that, was that in this case, I think both back-to-back weeks, Arizona State and Arizona, should have gone down, but they didn't. Yeah. Which is good for us. It's good for us. Yeah, it's it probably is good for us. Um, what do you think about this Wazoo Stanford game? Because Stanford's favored, and I, I kind of think Wazoo should be favored. Well, I mean, I think Stanford's really only favored because they're at home. I mean, it's a two-point spread. It's basically heads up. Um, I think, I, I mean, again, I think this is a really good game to watch for Oregon fans just because, I mean, we get to compare the two teams that we've played so far. Um, yeah. If one, I mean, what we're really looking for is kind of an even game, sort of clean, with you know, um, not as many turnovers, but like, I, ideally, of course, um, in reality, we don't really care but i mean if one team blows out the other that kind of shows that you know okay maybe we overestimated how good like stanford or wazoo were because i mean i think we kind of hold them in the same uh, mindset right now in terms of like they're a decent team they looked good against us but we still like beat them and covered so yeah i'm i'm really curious to see how legit washington state is 
and Stanford, really, but mostly Washington State, because I do believe they have a shot to play second fiddle in the North. Yeah, yeah, no, I I totally agree with that. What week's the Apple Cup this year? Is that next week? Let me check that. I think it might be, because I think they're kind of doing that as as rivalry Rivalry week. week. But I'll check. Yeah, it is next week. Wow. Oh, wait, 27th. Yeah, next week. Yeah, Friday. I think it's, it's the Friday, same as ours. Oh really? That Friday after Thanksgiving, you know they do. A lot oh, of I times. see. We yeah, they got the seven thirty slot mm-hmm. for that game. So that I mean, sweet next Friday. That'll be fun. fun. Yeah. yeah. Fingers crossed that uh, we actually get to play these games. <laughs> so. Right. I mean, also let's take another step back. How fortunate are we? We kind of briefly mentioned this earlier, but like how how fortunate are we that we've actually played two games and that I know going to play a third one. Yeah, it's like buildings are just crumbling beside us. It's like total <laughs> chaos, and we're just kind of like chugging along, unfazed. Yep. Um, and and things, I mean, knock on wood, things look good for this week. I think uh, like there's some benefit to the fact that there'll be an in-state game next week. Mm-hmm. Um, and not to get too far ahead, uh, obviously week five for us is, is traveling to Cal, which that's always going to be like uh, a tough proposition in terms of it getting played with how how Berkeley is about their standards. Yeah. But um, regardless, yeah, I mean we're chugging along, and and that's been uh, really fortunate in that way so far. Yeah, I mean for context, we're one of six teams, so that's only half the conference by now that have played their full slate of games so far. Um, Let's see, Oregon State, Stanford from the north being the other two, and then Colorado, USC, and UCLA in the south have both played all two of their games. Utah, as you mentioned, hasn't played a game, and the rest have only played one. Um, so we're and, and Arizona State's Arizona State Colorado's canceled again for yep. this weekend. Yeah, good point. So they're and, not even going to get to two. Yeah, and the buzz is Arizona State is just kind of like not taking this whole COVID thing very seriously at all. Um, yeah. That's total like rumor and innuendo. But. How Arizona State is that though? Jeez. Yeah, that's I mean, that's the most Arizona State thing I've ever heard. <laughs> way to way <laughs> to crush some stereotypes is a big part of it. But wow. <laughs> um, I guess they were too busy yeah. crushing other things instead. <laughs> what were they crushing? Uh, <laughs> brews, if you will. Oh, okay. beverages. Right. That's the, hey, that's that's not as bad as, as what I thought you were gonna say. So. Oh well. <laughs> well Please indulge me, Paul. Okay. Hey, I, okay these are okay, thoughts from my okay. head. These are thoughts from Charlie's head in my head. So. Oh yeah, my I can't, bad. I can't my really bad. speak to that. I wouldn't want to put words in your mouth. Okay, let's get okay. to the actual preview for this game because we're <laughs> we're almost an hour in here. Um. <laughs> yeah, but we said some good stuff. Yeah, we did. That's true. Um, thanks for sticking with us this long. Uh, I think. The place we have to start with this game is DTR, Dorian Thompson-Robinson. This mm-hmm. is his second year at UCLA? Third year? Second uh, year? I think he was, a, was he a freshman last year? I don't remember. Anyways, uh, Chris Paul called him one of the most dynamic players in the country this week. Um, and to be honest, like he's right. The problem for UCLA is that DTR is also one of the most inconsistent players in the country <laughs> week to week right um so yeah this is this is second or no this is third yeah he's a junior yeah okay um 
But yeah, I we should we should beat UCLA pretty handily. I would like to preface with that. <laughs> um, yes, Dorian Thompson Robinson is good. Yes, he might be able to give us a run for our money. But Ducks are two touchdown faves at home. Um, this we, this we should really, be a win. We really did a good job of limiting uh, Delora last week in the scramble game, mm-hmm. which is one of his kind of strengths. One of the things we talked about on our preview last week was whether he could kind of get out of the pocket and hurt us with his legs. And and that just didn't happen. Um, one guy for Oregon, who I hope sees the field a lot, um, is Adrian Jackson. If we could put him at, mm-hmm. at a spy um, at linebacker or something. I mean, he's his speed is unreal uh, as a linebacker. He was big last week uh, a couple times and mm-hmm. doing that same sort of thing. So I think that he would be big for us um, in containing uh, DTR, definitely. And I think, I mean, in general, you know, I, I, I want to caution myself a little bit because obviously, you know, I, I don't want to be a homer um, and I know so much about this Oregon program, but it does feel like there's some energy around um, the Ducks team right now. Like we're ready to break out for a big, you know, signature walkaway game after two kind of uh, sloppy performances at times that were ultimately good, but um, we didn't, you know, put it together for four full quarters by any means in, in either of the first two weeks. No, and not if at we all. could do that, yeah, if we could do that um, versus UCLA, I think we could win big. Yeah, I mean, at this point, the, like, this is really, we're really getting into, like, um, I don't remember what it's called. Separation Sunday is what it's called in college basketball, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where you, you start separate. Not I'm not thinking of Selection Sunday. I know that's a different thing. Where you start separating <laughs> contenders from like um, teams that aren't quite there yet. Um, and I mean, yeah, it's week three for the Ducks, but we gotta face it. We're we're there. Like we gotta really start. Um, we really gotta start convincing people that we're good enough to hang with the big guys. And yeah, need some style points, as they say. Exactly, yeah. Um, and we can't start waiting until the end of the season to have these sort of blowout games. Um, again, winning the game is the most important. I still think winning the conference should be our kind of goal for this year, as I said, same right. thing last year. Yeah. Um, but, like, we we got some work to do. Um, and this is this is a big turning point this week for the Ducks. So yeah, I, are we going to launch ourselves? Are we going to make people start paying attention to us? Or are we still going to kind of coast and sort of wait outside the top 10 or at the edge of the top 10? Um, or are we going to fall? Um, and again, I don't, I don't like using the AP poll to judge how good teams are. But I think at this point we have to start talking about what the national perception is of this team. Um, and the AP poll is obviously a reflection of that. Right. Yeah, I think that I feel pretty solid about um, about what our offense should be able to do against them. I mean, given that, uh, you know, Colorado put up 48 on UCLA, uh, mm-hmm. you know, makes me feel like Oregon should be scoring up there. Um, I mean, because, you know, Colorado put up – put up 35 on Stanford just like we did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, it's a little early in the year. People have 
defensive issues and everything. Um, we've seen that with the Ducks, obviously, too, with, with some, uh, you know, lack of sound tackling and everything. But I think uh, I feel really good about this Moorhead offense. I actually feel good about, um, you know, we touched on the fact Mike Pittman should be out this, uh, is is likely going to be out this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel pretty good about the people who stepped up in his absence. Chris Hudson, Josh Delgado were big. Uh, young guys who did a good job, and then Devin Williams is starting to come into his own and kind of realize all of that talent that he has. Um, so I feel I feel good about our offense overall against CCLA. What I really hope is that our defense can mm-hmm. step up, and um, you know it's going to kind of be uh, you know a few a few big guys. I mean I think Popo coming back should strengthen up that interior. You know, it's kind of no excuses. It's week three. Kayvon's looked amazing there. Yep. Some of the young guys have looked really impressive yep. there. Braden Swinson's looked really good. Uh, you know, we still have Doorless, who I love. I was waiting for that Doorless. Yeah. <laughs> that Doorless mentioned. Um, and then, you know, Jordan should be a, should be one of the most dominant players in the uh, conference with his experience and his size. And Popo should be really good. So that, that defensive line should be improved this week. And then I think the linebackers, I'm gonna, we're gonna have to see a better effort out of Funa and Isaac Slade. I think because mm-hmm. there are some on a rewatch. I mean, to be brutally honest, there are some sloppy plays by both those guys. And uh, they're supposed to be the guys. At they're supposed to be the guys. Those and, are the leaders now that Dye's gone. And I can live, you know, it's and they're different mistakes than, you know, when Noah Sewell misses something. He is his motor. It's not because of his motor ever. He's going one hundred percent, and it you know it's his. It was his second college game, so I'm okay if Noah Sewell makes a mistake here or there, but Mace and Isaac Slade have got to be leaders for this defense. Yeah. Um, and and then I hope, like I said, I hope Adrian Jackson gets mixed in there because I think he's looked really good. He's a really talented linebacker. Um, but that that group's got to bring it up, and it's it's okay because, you know, that we've seen defensive struggles across the country early in the season. Alabama had them, Florida had them. You know, mm-hmm. good really good programs have struggled defensively to start this season, given the weird off season and and all that. And then the last spot I think is, is the safeties for Oregon are pretty conservative, pretty concerning. The corners mm-hmm. are really good with McHale and and DD, but. The safety spot is is starting to look like a um, just we just got to see some improvement from those guys. Yeah, across the board, of course, Pickett will be gone for the first half. Um, so, except of Ron McKinley and then the the young guys, uh, Bennett and Happel are going to have to pick up a lot of the slack this week. Yeah, with no Steve Stevens too, it's, it's a hit yeah. there definitely too. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's worth mentioning for those. Uh, who have done a little bit of research on the UCLA Cal game? Basically, so last week UCLA beat Cal thirty-four to ten, um, and the uh, sort of the impetus being that UCLA sort of pushed Cal all around the field on offense. And I mean, it's I think we have to mention that Cal's defensive line hadn't practiced in two weeks um, yeah. because of COVID. They literally had to sit like at the back of the plane. Um, themselves even on the way to the game so um 
it was yeah. I, I would just real quick i want to read the chip kelly quote um from this great la times piece that i'm looking at right now uh <laughs> he was asked if there was an asterisk uh after the win and he said quote there's no asterisks in life i don't know how that works do you guys write a column with an asterisk on it saying that this column doesn't count i mean they all count there's a scoreboard for everything so we played a game on sunday and it counts if we had lost i wouldn't say hey put an asterisk on it that game doesn't count i mean that's just not the way it works um <laughs> he also yeah. dropped one of the quotes of the year um talking about how the conference scheduling and standings are going to work and he says quote it's 2020 bro so you better be nimble <laughs> um, so i i still love chip kelly even even though he never had the best relationship with uh, the media or the fans while in eugene but man what just what a charming human being <laughs> yeah what a unique character i mean you gotta love chip um, I will say though, I think a lot of people were expecting Chip to pull some uh, pull some crazy stuff when he last visited Eugene in 2018, and we didn't really get a bunch of that. But I think if there was ever a time to just go full Chip Kelly, like random, how you know, do literally whatever I can to win this game, it's this one. Um, like he he literally has nothing to lose at this point. Yeah. Oh, that's true. So, Another, I mean, that's yeah. a long-winded way of saying um, trick plays, possibly. Just random schemes that we're not used to seeing from UCLA, possibly. Um, just defense has to be ready to adapt to anything. Yeah, d- defense also, um, I think, you know, it's, it's not, I'm not the first person to say this. It's a pretty popular take, actually, going into this weekend, I would say. But defense is going to have some opportunities to force turnovers in this mm-hmm. game. Mm-hmm. Um, and we should be, uh, you know, we should be expecting to get, uh, you know, hopefully get a couple of this. Uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson for all of his, uh, you know, playmaking ability is not the most ball secure, uh, you know, player in the country. And yeah, they have, uh, you know, you, uh, UCLA is minus four, uh, yeah, minus four in the turnover ratio in their first two games. Hmm. So, I mean, it's kind of like two of these teams who yeah. haven't gotten a break really in the turnover department yet. Um, and so, hopefully, Oregon can can uh, you know make the most of that. Yeah. Um, again, a couple guys to watch for UCLA. On the defensive side of the ball, their linebacker, Caleb Johnson, um, has two and a half sacks so far, which doesn't sound like a lot, but we've played two games. And their D-lineman, Osa, Osa is uh, he's tied for fourth. And those guys are with one and a half. And those guys are both, like, I think I've seen on draft boards. I'm not sure in the future. Um, mm-hmm. That's not a confirmed thing at all. Don't quote me on that. But uh, yeah, Johnson. I definitely have for... Sorry, I (laughs) yeah. Uh, Johnson also has their lone interception on the season. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Um, but yeah, no, that's that's a good call on the impact players, Uh, and then um, yeah, I mean on offense, it's it's kind of the DCR show. It feels like Mm -hmm. Um, they got a good tight end too. Greg 
Dulcich is their leading receiver. Um, Which, yeah. I mean... <laughs> but, well, we've been, the Ducks have been pretty good at defending tight ends so far. Um, well, I think it actually plays to kind of our strengths because I yeah, think... Exactly. Um, I mean, this is probably an oversimplification, but like I think some of our trouble, especially for our safeties last week, was we're playing a lot of these really fast, twitchy receivers for Washington State who do these short routes. And athletically, some of our guys just couldn't quite keep up because um, our safeties are kind of a position where uh, it's not a lot of our highest rated players mm-hmm. from, uh, from out of high school. Um, so I think that, uh, you know, again, this oversimplification but there's maybe a little more you can make up for in terms of scheme when guarding like a tight end mm-hmm. and just playing a ball well um you know and doing those those things the right way versus sometimes you're just going to get you know kind of ran away from um if you're a uh, happel or Pickett or or whoever versus those wazoo faster receivers yeah so i think we can Based on what we've said, mentioned, I think we can uh, take away some some clear like keys to the game, if you will. Um, one being contain DTR uh, on the ground so that he we force him to throw it. Um, we, yeah. we did see the Ducks improve the pass rush last week against Wazoo. We also talked about how it, I mean the the zero sat zero sacks stat was very overused after the Stanford game anyways. Um, but I would love to see KT get some get some shots on DTR this weekend. And uh, let's see. I mean, we could say containing tight ends. I think that kind of goes with the whole overall theme of the offense, though, which is just – or the defense for us, which is just linebacker play. Um, yeah. Hopefully improving. And then on offense, I think running the ball is still kind of our, like, we have to do this. Um with Micah out, I'm not sure if Chip tries to consolidate our offense a little more, but I also don't know how much talent UCLA has to even be in any sort of control. So yeah. I I think the Ducks, we should expect the Ducks to kind of run all over offensively. And I mean, the Vegas projected score has us with over 40 points in this game. Right, I mean, that's it's just going to be a matter of executing. I yeah. mean, because, you know... It, if we don't fumble those handoffs or throw it to the defender on a screen or, you know, um, we, you know, if we, cause, cause this Moorhead offense, I mean, when it hasn't been turnovers, it's punted on first down or on, on the first drive of games. And then it's basically been a machine sure. outside of turnovers. Other than that, You're just yeah. getting to the end zone or setting up a field goal <laughs> opportunity. Um, <laughs> I was waiting for that. <laughs> yeah, hopefully we won't have to settle for any field goals this week, or should I yeah. say lack of field goals. Yeah, um, and then the last... Cam, but, I mean, yeah. look, it's it's not good at this point. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been a little... Um, I hate criticizing yeah. kickers, but... I, yeah, and I don't want to be an over, uh, you know, optimist. I mean, there, there's it's, it's bad, definitely. But he's looked better to my eye than he did last year. Like on extra points, you know, he's he's really hitting True. those down we the had middle. Some questionable extra points last year. <laughs> I just say from last year there's you know there's an improvement. Even like he made the the kick, then there's the false start. 
Um, but that looked good. I mean, there's like last year's like 80% of the balls that come off of his foot, like whether they're on an extra point, whether they're on a field goal that's short, it's just like spiraling, like yeah, whirling around. Swerving. Hopefully he's it kind of sneaks. Yeah, a great free kick. Uh, he, but. So he's kicked some good balls. He's kicked yeah. some good balls. I mean, he hasn't made it. <laughs> he's over two on field goals. Neither from that long, but um, yeah, the I other I haven't looked at our start average uh, starting defensive field position either, but I assume it's a little below average. Oh yeah, yeah. Based on kickoffs. Um, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, the last thing for me that that kind of determines how much like style points Oregon's able to put on this into this game because I think. Uh, I mean, I guess I'll give my final prediction in a second, but um, it's just going to be how many of those big plays, uh, you know, kind of electric plays can go Oregon's way, whether that's a big turnover on defense or maybe it's even, um, you know, a Mikhail Wright special teams touchdown or big return or even, I mean, with Travis Dye, he's a guy I didn't really want to get the punt return job, but he's looked good. Mm -hmm. Maybe he could... Do yeah, something had a great game in that last game. Week. Yeah. So if we can get any of those kind of big electric plays to go our way, then I think this game, you know, and and we take care of the fundamentals with our linebacker safety play, then I think this game starts to look like Oregon can win by, you know, three, four, five touchdowns. Like that's not out of the out no, of the realm of possibility in my mind. Yeah, and I mean, I'm gonna give my official prediction right now. I got Ducks 55, UCLA 22. I think Chip goes for two and gets it just because he's Chip <laughs> and then doesn't do much the rest of the game. <clears throat> and I think if the I think this is a great opportunity to run up the score as well for the Ducks. Yeah, I think um, you said 55-22 was yours? Yeah. Yeah, I, I like that prediction a lot, actually. I think I probably... Um, I like the Ducks, maybe we're like, I'll, I'll take a field goal off your 55. Mm. I don't know if Camden's in two field goals <laughs> in this game. Plus, I think, plus, I honestly think this offense is, is capable of scoring, like, a lot of the time. Uh, yeah. I don't think we're giving him that many opportunities. And then, yeah, I'd say. I mean, probably... to be honest, my prediction was a missed extra point, not two field goals. but Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> sure. <laughs> <Why not? laughs> uh, yeah, so I don't know. I'm going to hone my prediction later. So I guess I'll just give a range. I think Oregon scores around 50, and I think UCLA's approaching 20. Um, so it's basically a 30-point win. You know, whether Oregon's like 48, 48 to, you know, low 50s, and then like UCLA's probably around the 20-point mark. Yeah, so we both think the Ducks will double up, if not just cover the spread comfortably. Um, yeah, I just I just think that's kind of the momentum of this team right now, is, is that yeah. it just feels like if we... I don't think Vegas uh, maybe realizes yet just like how different this offense is this year, how huge of an upgrade Moorhead is, and the, the fact that, you know, if we just could put together a full game, which I think we're capable of doing, that I, I really just think we're that much better than... UCLA and honestly we're that much better than a lot of the teams on our schedule because mm -hmm. right now I mean I think it's safe to consider UCLA as like a middle of the pack Pac yeah team. yeah
Oh, right, you want to give a prediction before we head out? Yeah. Um. I don't know. I I like. I think the Ducks get up there. I think it. You know, forty forty eight points, something like that. Uh, I think we like like forty. I say like forty eight twenty eight, something like that. Uh, yeah. So yeah. yeah, yeah, that could happen. I mean, I keep thinking that um, this Oregon defense will kind of get a get uh, its rhythm back, you know, get its reps back, and will look kind of like it did last year mm-hmm. during that stretch where it was like every game, it's like, oh, is the opponent even going to crack double digits mm-hmm. for a second there? You know, it felt like um, it's not like I'm expecting us to hold UCLA to single digits, but I do feel like this defense can hold them to under 20. Uh, but I don't know if, if they put out a performance like they did uh, really in either of the last two weeks, then I think that's right by Paul that it could it could go to four touchdowns. But I don't think it will go to much. I don't think it can go to much more than that. I really yeah. don't. That's I'm, why I'm, I, I don't want to, you know, be overconfident, but I'm, I just think the range is here. I don't think Avalos is giving up more than like, yeah, more than like 28, really. And then I don't think Oregon scoring like less than like 35. I mean, I would like I to, uh, my final thought is on this kind of relationship we have with the defense right now. Um, Cause at first in our prediction, you kind of talked about momentum and this is sort of where the team momentum is headed right now. And then we sort of took like a um, ideal look at the, at what we want from the defense in our, both of our predictions. Um, I think the turnovers have a little bit to do with that. Obviously with a shortened field, it's easier to score, but um, I don't have a ton of confidence in this defense right now. I mean, my, my 22 point prediction is based on the fact that I think we will see, um, a, a change in just kind of overall, I don't want to say spirit, but like overall performance really in all as- aspects from the defense. Yeah, that's all I really have to say. Yeah, I mean, what is, maybe we should also just, you know, just to like kind of bring ourselves, get try to give some perspective. Um, like if this game is close, you know, if, if I mean, I, I I really find it hard to believe UCLA will could you know has a legit chance to win, mm-hmm. um, but you know let's say you know it's a seven point it's it's a one possession game late, mm-hmm. you know what is what has happened to that point that puts us in that position? <sighs> turnovers. <laughs> yeah, turnovers. Yeah. Um, turnovers. I mean. Missed field goals that lead to short fields. Missed field goals, I would say, like busted coverages on defense. I mean, with our safeties, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah, and DTR just looks special, I guess. Yeah. You know, if. And I mean, I we've mean, seen him do that like, before, right? Think of the Wazoo game last year. That. Yeah. Easy game. Um, yeah. He was the guy. Yeah, not like, that he's gonna win a Heisman, but you know, I think he's capable in a game. Of looking like a Heisman candidate. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I could see like crossing. So a couple deeper crossing routes across the middle and bad tackling there, missed tackles, just leading to just big old long, you know, chunk plays. 
that's a pretty good indicator that points will be there. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, a lot would have to go wrong is, is the answer. I think it wouldn't have to be just one of those things. I think it would have to be, like, a an either, like, complete, total meltdown of, like, a certain position group, um, which we have no reason to believe that will happen, or just a lack of, like, concentration collectively. Yeah. Which I, yeah. again, we talked about culture for a long time on this pod today, so I don't think that's anything we should expect. Right. Totally. But yeah, any other thoughts, guys? No, I think we did a good job, and I think that's pretty all I got, long yeah. on this one. So <laughs> Yeah, a little long-winded today, so uh, we'll end it here. But yeah, uh, we still don't know what time this is at, by the way. So we'll just stay tuned for the announcement for that, I guess. And uh, go Ducks. Yeah, you go can Ducks. expect, you know, another pod Saturday night. Yeah, uh, we'll when, have a post-game when, reaction. Yeah, whenever it is. And we're still hoping to get our uh, big Twitter guest, Ducks Twitter guest on. Oh, that's that right. One. I forgot about that. Yeah. Good promotion. All right. Um, but yeah, go Ducks. <laughs> go Ducks. <laughs>